Hey guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Guru. We get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host Tex Guru and today's book is a sapphic retelling of one of the most popular fairy tales ever to be told, Cinderella. So as you all know, most of these Disney fairy tales that we've seen, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, um, even Little Red Riding Hood, they all originally came from the Grimm Brothers versions, which are terribly dark and also intriguing. From the first moment I found out that Disney wasn't the original, I spent like a night researching it when I was tiny, and to find these original dark stories, it was just phenomenal, it was mind-blowing. Anyway, before I go off on a tangent. Today's tea of the day is a Kenyan blend. Uh, it's called Melima. It's known as Africa's most elegant black tea and Kenya Melima has golden tips just like Assam. So Melima is, Sw- Melima is Swahili for in a high place and this is because of where the tea is grown. It's grown at more than 6,000 feet above sea level in the Kenyan highlands so that's phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, and the leaves take on lovely flavours in this cool and rocky environment. And unlike most trees in Africa, Malima is produced in the orthodox method. So the leaves look like most of our other teas. And the flavour here is something tending towards citrus, especially oranges, uh, with a spicy side of cloves and pepper. So they make sure it's a caution you don't be afraid to add some milk and sugar to this blend. Um, but I think if you like uh, spice teas, so like cinnamon, ginger, um, turmeric, cardamom, if you like those teas and you like to have a hint of spice at the back of your throat after you've um, drank, this, drank a cup of tea, then you're good to go. This is for you, definitely for you. So back to me fangirling over these grim fairy tales. So when I found the original versions, I love them and I do enjoy a good fairy tale retelling. Is it completely opposite from the original? Uh, will, it st- will it be very close to the original with some uh, original elements? I really enjoy fairy tale retellings. I think uh, in terms of that side of the spectrum with mythologies and fairy tale retellings, fairy tale retellings do come under myths because I mean, come on. Mythology is amazing, but it is one of my favorites, definitely. So in this retelling of Cinderella, our protagonist is Sophia Grimmins, a rebellious young girl who is well aware that she did not want a prince. She wanted a princess. Um, so they live in this village, Lille, I believe. Her and her friend Erin and their other friend Liz and in Lille, it's common practice for when a girl turns um, 18, they're all invited to the castle for this uh, prom, basically. And they all have to dress up. Uh, Cinderella, here the story of Cinderella is more like a religion than like a folklore or a myth. So everybody is taught growing up the story of Cinderella. They treat it like the Bible kind of cultish but um it was really really interesting to see that rendition of cinderella and uh they have the lille decrees and basically these decrees are i think it's six right so it's six um rules that they can't ever break so i'll read them now the first one a minimum of one pristine copy of cinderella will be kept in every household Number two, the annual ball is a mandatory event. Three trips are permitted, after which attendees are considered four feet. 
forfeit means that they um basically they lost all the chances of marriage or whatnot and then they're kind of poor slash low class they're seen as common society for the rest of their lives so not a place anybody wants to be uh, number three participants in all lawful unsanctioned unions will be considered forfeit Number four, all members of households in Messiahs are required to designate one male of legal age to be head of household and his name will be registered with the palace. All activities undertaken by any member of the household must be sanctioned by head of household. Number five, for their protection, women and children must be in their permanent place of residence by the stroke of eight each night. And finally, number six, a copy of all applicable laws and decrees along with an improved portrait of His Majesty will be displayed in every household at all times. So generally what I got when I first read this in the book was that it was just a whole gimmick. The king was quite, quite insecure about his place in um, Lille. But anyway, so basically those are the laws that everybody has to follow to a T. And you kind of get a feel of like a dictatorship kind of way in, in Lille. Um, you have a curfew everyone has to follow. Uh, um, patriarchy is rampant. Uh misogyny is rampant it's really just really really disgusting so you get to see how Sophia is heavily heavily um against all of this she uh wants to run away from Messiah's with Erin however Erin isn't as brave Sophia is quite brave um from the get-go you can see that she's very bold she's very stubborn she's very spirited and I really enjoy that about her character you also get to explore through her eyes how um, oppressed women and children are to the extent that they are under households. Um, they're treated like chattels. So that was a really interesting spin-off on Cinderella. I was especially intrigued by um, how they spun the original story. So basically, it um, their, their story for Cinderella is that um, she ended up marrying prince charming and then somehow prince charming ended up ruling like his descendants so the current king is king manford and one of the biggest plot twists in this book was that you find out king manford is actually the original prince charming and in this book prince charming is evil so that was like the most surprising thing for me and i really enjoyed that um surprise then you get to meet luke who is mr langley's son um and he lost his lover louise so he is aware of how um he's aware of the situation that Sophia is in. Uh, at first, she's very hesitant to trust him, but later on, she does. They do um enter this very short-lived agreement where they would um marry because they both realize that it would be safer for both of them. Uh, and they try to get away, but that doesn't work out. Sophia and does end up um running away from the ball uh and running away from that palace ball automatically leaves you as four feet so if she had gone she went to see her family and then her father basically ran her out because if they were seen um colluding with her in any way uh, him and his wife would be killed so he tells he tells her to um leave now for both of their um safety that it would be in her best interest and then she basically calls him out for being a coward that he wouldn't fight to protect them but she does leave and there she meets back up with this girl who she had met when she ran away the night of the ball, Constance. And Constance reveals that she's the descendant of one of Cinderella's stepsisters, Gabrielle, I believe. So basically, Constance 
reveals the true history of Cinderella in that Cinderella's father was once um, a very close advisor to the king of the people. It's not the king, you can't quite remember. And he was well loved by the, pe- by the people and whatnot. And then Manford came and he, uh, what he, I think he requested to be um, some advisor to the king. He was rejected and suddenly all these droughts and stuff popped up. So he waited until the people grew restless and took off Cinderella's father from the throne. And basically he then came and he kept his promise to relieve the drought and to, you know, make the rains come and whatnot, all that nice stuff. And the people saw that and they were lulled into a sense of false security that they could trust him. It's also revealed that he actually ordered Cinderella's mother to be killed because um, she was very outspoken and she was very against how he ran things because even though the people were happy at first that Manford was on the throne, he quickly revealed his true colours and um, he had Cinderella's father killed. Then when her mother spoke up, he had her killed. Uh, but... The whole reason that Cinderella's father is has remarried in this book is that he um well when he remarried in this book the stepmother wasn't evil, the stepsisters weren't evil. Um he remarried Miss Davis and she was actually just as strong as Cinderella's mother and she actually helped try to promote rebellion as Cinderella's mother had done. However, King Manford, um, after he killed Cinderella's father, he had uh, Davis and her children, she had, he had all of them uh, crucified, basically, and he expected them to die there. However, they were able to escape, and hence their rebellion and their descendants like just carried on that will. However, Constance is the last of their line, I believe, and they're failing brutally, and it's there that Sophia gets this little flair in her um, chest. She feels this little, you know flare of hope and she's like well instead of running away why, why don't we try to kill him and she does help Constance um there's this place called the White Woods where it's rumored that a witch lives so they go it's very it's completely against the law by the way to go to the White Woods and it's also very legal for women or children to travel without um the head of their household who is of course a man to be with them or give them permission now, they do uh, go through that little um, adventure and they go to the Whitewood. They do find the witch. Um, her name is Amina and she, in this story, is the original fairy godmother of Cinderella. Now, here is where a plot... There's a really big plot twist in this story that I did not see coming. And honestly, I think it was a bit confusing to follow along. Um, it was still good. It didn't take away too much from the entire story. But however, Amina's um, her go- end goal is very, very fuzzy, because at first when she meets Constance and she meets Sophia, she expe- uh, she expresses guilt at what she did because um, she reveals that she put Cinderella under a spell, so that she would end she um, would think that she was in love with Manford, but um, she really. She really wasn't because, again, he killed her father, he killed her mother, he tried to kill her sisters and her stepmother. 
so she really didn't and it was basically like she was looking at herself from a like an out-of-body experience so she really did suffer for most of her life and eventually um at some point in the book they constance amina and sophia they do summon cinderella's um ghost for lack of better words and she uh basically conveys to them that you know she was did not willingly marry manford and she was not happy and whatnot um her fairy tale is basically a, a sham a whole sham um that was actually really like sad bittersweet in that they got the answers but um cinderella basically lived and died uh, not of her own will, I guess. So Amina's guilt there is kind of, um, I guess, soiled by the fact that later on it's revealed that Amina basically made Manford and that their lives are intertwined. However, she does end up dying. And um, Amina and Manford, their connection is such that if Amina dies, he dies. And if he dies, Amina dies. Because she brought him back to life. And essentially, she is directly responsible for all the suffering that Mercedes went through and all the deaths of um, the young woman because Manford essentially had that ball as a hoax to um, basically absorb their youth to keep his life going hence why he's still the original Prince Charming and and, um, still alive and I guess that was a really good like scene you got a lot of drama and action and whatnot and, well, of course, it's a fairy tale, so they do have a happily ever after in that. Um, Sophia does make good on her words. She does burn down the castle, and she frees everyone that Manford had imprisoned, who spoke out or whatnot. And then that kind of, the oppression and stuff in um, Lil lifts, and she basically was able to grab hold of the future that she wanted, a future where she does have a choice and doesn't have to, you know, move around with so many restrictions and whatnot so that was really really nice i really um like that i really like its symbolism it conveyed um especially and i really like the themes they discussed in it so i'd highly recommend it um all the themes were well done in my opinion uh the only fuzzy bit for me at least was uh finding where amina stood uh even in the book manford um reference it seems like uh his mother was playing for the for both sides um and he wondered which side she was actually on so i do think she did legitimately feel ga- ga- um, guilt i do think amina felt some guilt but as to whether she's a good person definitely not um a bad person i don't know i think she falls into the gray area but you know what if anyone um does end up reading the book you can let me know your thoughts when you finish it I do think it was, um, in terms of fairy tale retellings, a pretty cool one. It was very different, and I enjoyed it. So that's the end of today's episode. As always, you can find this episode and all the others on a cast, which distributes to Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, sorry, Samsung Podcasts, um, and a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head. And if you so feel, and if you feel so obliged, give me a follow at Detox with Kudo. Until next time, guys. Bye.